0: This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. I'm a speaker and author and an executive coach, and today I'm excited to welcome Barbie Brewer to the show. Barbie will talk about leadership lessons for the future of work. Barbie, welcome. Well, it's great to be here. Oh, I'm really excited that you're with us today, Barbie. You know, you've had a, a front row seat seeing how the world of work has changed with your executive roles at GitLab and at Netflix. And tell me, is that what inspired you to write this book, this, this constant change, especially as we navigated through the pandemic?
1: You know, it's a combination of things. Part of it was the change of the pandemic, but let's be honest, I had the idea of this book before COVID was even a thing. So I've had the opportunity to work with lots of leaders in lots of organizations, um, from large companies like IBM and Cisco and Netflix to smaller startups of, you know, 50 people to 250. And I've seen lots of different styles and I've seen lots of different, you know, strengths and weaknesses in that. When I went through my own health crisis in 2016, it, it made me relook at my own leadership style, my own willingness t- to engage with the workforce and things like that. And and that's really where I, when I dived into this new world of work was when I couldn't kind of make the drive to the office every day and do everything the traditional way I had done in the past.
0: And I love that you talk about in the book how you are a whole person now. And my perception is that's really the theme of the work. It's not just about work, but it's about loving your life. And I am with you 100%. Yep, it is. So tell me more about that. How did your health scare, how did this new lens through which you are living your life holistically, how did that impact your career and your life?
1: You know, it was interesting. There's a lot of avenues I could have taken. I could have gone on medical leave and just not worked. There's there's different things I could have done. But really, what it taught me is a couple of things. How much I love my family and my kids and how much I want to be there for them. But also how much I wanted to keep working. I actually love what I do. And I think that's really Nirvana, right? When work is part of life. It's not work or life. It's not work-life balance. It's finding work that you love so much, you want to incorporate it into your life and it makes your life better. And that's really became, it was a revelation to me that, wow, I actually like my work. (laughs) But it was also a revelation to me that I need to do it differently in order to incorporate it so it works within my life. And, And really, I think that's what we all need to strive to do. And as leaders, we need to keep an open mind about how things can get done productively and effectively and efficiently that still allows people to live their lives.
0: I love it. You served as chief culture officer at GitLab. And I I love, love, love that so many organizations are really honoring and formalizing culture. And I believe culture is not just a top-down HR, here's our culture. I think it is is an all play. Have you seen that evolve in your space? And is that something that you could talk about?
1: I absolutely have. I think people recognize, I think it's Peter Drucker that said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. John Chambers would say they're equal, Uh, but I think everyone does recognize that culture is important. And I will be the first person to say there's not a good or bad culture. Now, there absolutely is a good or bad culture for me that I want to work in, (laughs) but every company has a right to have the culture they want to build. Now, currently, there are negative, you know, obviously, there's negative cultures out there that you would want to avoid the toxicity of. But not every company needs to have the same culture, but they need to know their identity. They need to know their values and they need to be true to them and they need to be explicit about them. So their workforce knows what they're getting when they join. And we're not perfect. We can have values. We can have ideal behaviors. It doesn't mean we're always going to live them every second of every day, but at least knowing what you're striving for and holding, account of, holding each other accountable to that is really what will define that. And I think it was Lynn that said, your culture is going to be defined by the worst behaviors you allow in your leaders. And I think that's true too.
0: Yeah. You know what I find so interesting? It is incumbent upon all of us as we navigate career changes to really be, uh, gosh, detectives about culture Mm -hmm. to ask those questions in the interview process and really pull back the layers. Because often in the interview, you hear all the rainbows and unicorn stuff, but you talk about and you write about in the book, how, culture needs to be candid and transparent. How do we get to that? How do we find out what the culture really is? Well, first of
1: all, by being candid and transparent with each other, I, I think a lot of employers make the mistake of, of bamboozling their candidates to join. And that's not good for anyone. You want people to join that are going to be a good fit and are going to be happy there because your happy employees are more engaged and more productive. So putting on a falsehood doesn't benefit anybody yeah um, secondly candidates need to ask the right questions you know how are decisions made how is conflict handled uh you know how do you how do you deal with poor performance how do you deal with high performance you know there, you need to be asking those questions too and as leaders you need to have the answers to that
0: excellent questions so glad that you shared that you know you 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 mentioned it earlier that you didn't necessarily want to commute to work especially when you were dealing with your health challenges the world of work is now struggling. So many companies are trying to call their people back in or they're navigating hybrid. You know, the, the COVID experience, as horrific as it was when you think of it as a global pandemic, was a case study in how we could successfully work remotely. So what's your take?
1: Well, you know, I have a I have an interesting take on that. Having worked for a remote company with employees in 60 different countries uh, before COVID and, and then working remotely during COVID. Let me tell you, working remotely during COVID was the worst possible experience of working remotely anyone could possibly have. And one of the benefits of working remotely is the ability to be more engaged in your life, meet your friends for lunch, uh, go on a walk with your neighbor, coach your daughter's soccer team, and still have just as many hours at work. We couldn't engage socially during COVID in the way that we would enjoy doing. In addition, remote work is wonderful, but there's still value to getting together at some kind of regular cadence. You know, at GitLab, we got together every nine months. Now, we didn't get together to work and make decisions and make progress. If you did that, there'd be no progress made the rest of the nine months, right? Uh, But we got together to socially bond and build relationship-based trust. There's task-based trust and there's relationship-based trust. Relationship-based trust is important. You can get some of that over Zoom. You can get some of that remotely, but there's nothing quite the same as, you know, going to Top golf together and having a glass of wine and hitting golf balls badly, right? Uh, So you still need to take the time to do that, which we couldn't do during COVID. So I think we survived remote work during COVID. Now that the pandemic is over, we can thrive in remote work in a whole new way.
0: Yeah, so unpack that because there's so much to it.
1: Well, I think, you know, for example, right now, I work for Safe Security right now as their chief people officer, and we just acquired another company, and it's wonderful, and it's going to make us great in the market. But the acquisition closed on Monday, and on Monday, we had every new acquired employee here with us in Santa Clara bonding, and we shared information, and we shared ideas, but we also did social activities together. And that bond that we're building right now is going to carry us through when we go back to our remote locations and have to have conflict and make tough decisions and and have debates. We're going to know each other better, and we're going to know each other on the other side of that video conference or phone call in a way we couldn't have otherwise. But in addition, we can't say, let's wait for those times that we get together. We have to be less transactional when we are meeting on Zoom or Microsoft technologies I don't I don't care what technology you're using there's so many out there but we need to be less transactional about it. So take the time to ask about how your day was. Take the time to say, what did you do this weekend? Take the time to not be frustrated when someone's dog comes in and barks and think, oh, that's so unprofessional. Instead, be happy that you got to meet someone's dog. You know, the, real, the reality is, is we've talked for so long, for so long. I've been in this industry in HR for more than 20 years about enabling employees to bring their whole self to work. But I don't feel we've ever truly meant it. In remote work, you get it whether you want it or not, really. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're in their homes. <laughs> you might see their kids walk by. You might see their pet. You might see their favorite house plant. But it's, it's a whole different way of working and being able to get to know each other. But you still have to take the time to do it. And for goodness sake, turn your cameras on. How many people, if they walk into a meeting room and 75% of the room had a bag over their faces so you couldn't see their expressions, would consider that a good meeting? So why do we do it on Zoom and why do we do it on technology to turn those cameras off? You don't need to look perfect and be beautiful. You need to be real and you need to be you.
0: I think there's a learning curve, though, too, because I'll, right. I'll, I'll push back a little and say, I'm an extrovert. I'm very happy on camera. It's fine. It's, I enjoy that communication, meaning a Zoom, for example. But some of my introverted colleagues really get exhausted, especially if it's a full day of, of Zoom meetings. So how do yeah. we strike a balance there?
1: Well, the reality is, is if you shouldn't have a full day of Zoom meetings, if you wouldn't have also had a full day of in-person meetings. Yeah. So I'm a, I am an introvert <laughs> and I get exhausted when I'm in a full day of meeting with people, but not less exhausted than I do on a full day of Zooms. So I think it is about finding the balance of, of, of your quiet time. And this is, have you read the book Quiet? I love it. Oh, yes. I love it, too. I I a great book for extroverts to read so they can Mm -hmm. understand us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And our quietness and our kind of, well, I'm going to, I'm not going to join you at the bar. I'm going to actually go back to my room and read a book. Doesn't mean we don't love you and like you and want to be with you. Yeah. (laughs) We just need some of our quiet time. And, and I, and, and yes, it can be exhausting to be on Zoom all day. But it can also be exhausting to be in a crowd all day. Now, I will tell you, I don't like remote learning for young for for young students and children. i I much I, I very much think that they're better off in a classroom environment. And I'm sure there's research about that, and I could state that those stats for you. But my perspective just strictly comes from having two kids working remote doing school remotely in my home during covid and and seeing how that affected them. So like I said, working remotely shouldn't mean cutting yourself off from society, which it did during COVID. Working remotely can mean engaging more with society, just in a different way. Communities are stronger. One of the things I love about remote work and one of the things I loved about GitLab was that we were bringing opportunity to where the talent was instead of taking the best and the brightest out of their communities. So that the communities didn't have their tax revenue anymore, The, the communities didn't have their patronages at their restaurants and their doctor's offices, the communities didn't have them as role models, we plucked them out and made them move to the coasts. We don't need to do that. We can lead the talent in the community and we can uplift every community, not just in America, in the world. I had some of my best recruiters in Nigeria and Russia and South Africa that might not have had the same opportunities if there wasn't a GitLab out there to hire them. And there's amazing talent everywhere. What it does for diversity and those who are functionally functionally diverse and have a harder time getting to the office, me when I was on chemo and didn't want to be in a car drive two hours each way every day. If I didn't have GitLab to hire me, I don't know what I would have done. I might have had to disengage with work and work makes me happy. So... I really do think that each company needs to do what's best for them. And my perspectives are very biased on software SaaS companies. And I know Elon Musk and who I couldn't disagree with more on this. I love his cars. That's great. And SpaceX is wonderful. But when he says remote work is immoral because not everyone can do it, not everyone can go on a rocket ship or drive a Tesla either. Exactly. Doesn't mean they're not great things to have. And the reality is, is if I can take the software engineers off the road, My drive is shorter for the police officer, for the fireman, for the teacher, for the nurse, for the doctor, because they're not in the traffic with us as we clog their roads
0: up. Wow, Barbie, that's a great point. Well said. We'll be right back after a quick break. I'd like to tell you about a special offer. If you want to bring your podcast to life, or up your podcast game, you can get up to two months of free podcasting service with Libsyn using my special code CDHWORK. The Libsyn team will get your podcast on Apple and Spotify and give you access to critical stats and all the support you need to sound your best and grow your show. Use my special code CDHWORK. speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility you need a speaker who will work within your budget and engage your audience whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent create a healthy workplace culture or prevent burnout in your organization i can create customized content to help you recharge reignite or reinvent your career. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. Connect with me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. So, Barbie, I want to pull a thread because I I love how this conversation is going. And, And one of the chapters in your book that I really, really locked into was Democratizing Opportunity. And you talk often about how some people are put into leadership positions who don't want to be a manager or a leader. It's the classic Peter Principle. So what do we do here? And and how do we get better holistically about empowering people to advance when they want to?
1: Well, I think you have to have two paths of career development. And you need to certainly develop the skill set of management and leadership. Sometimes people don't want to do it because it's just new. But what I ask everybody when they come to me and they say they want to be promoted to manager and they want to lead people, I ask them to think about when they wake up tomorrow, think about what they're most looking forward to in their day. What's that thing that makes them want to stay in bed a little longer and plus press the snooze button? And what's that thing that makes them want to jump in the shower and get to work? And if providing feedback to people, if having to have hard conversations or set expectations or have positive conversations and tell someone how great they are having to find talent and recruit. If none of that stuff is stuff you enjoy and you really want what, what you get most excited about is writing the best code better than anyone else could or doing the best design that no one else can make, then keep doing that. You don't have to be tortured by having to manage people if that's not what drives you and fulfills you.
0: And you know, to that end, I think your point is ask if you are the leader grooming the manager or the next level of advancement, ask, ask that person, is this something that you want? Because I think often people, people accept those roles because they feel like they have no choice or they, they really don't know.
1: Yeah. And give them the opportunity to try it. Right. So if you're yeah. hiring for your team, offer them to be part of the interview team and see if they enjoyed interviewing and assessing talent. Exactly. If you want a culture of good feedback, ask them to make sure they give their peers feedback and ask them to give you feedback. How comfortable with that, with, were they with that? And do they think they could get more comfortable? Right. Give them the experiences so they can know if they like it or not.
0: One of my favorite chapters in your book is called Traits of the Greats, Character Matters. Would you pick a few of those traits and share with this global audience? Sure. I think humility
1: and vulnerability is super important for leaders and managers, not just because it shows that they're human because we all are. It doesn't mean just because I'm at the very top of the organization that I don't have to stay home because my kid's sick too, or that I'm not going to leave early to go to my kid's baseball game, or I don't want to go to a pedicure with my girlfriends, right? I'm still human. I like to do those things too. Uh, so showing the vulnerability and being open about that is important because it makes the rest of the organization feel comfortable being themselves. But even more than that, when we become leaders, what got us to leadership is rarely the same things that make us successful as leaders. There's some, some, some commonalities, but there's new things we need to learn and we need to keep growing. But the higher you get in leadership, the less feedback you start receiving and, the more people are afraid to give you feedback. But wow, your blast radius is so much bigger if you're a bad leader (laughs) to the organization. So people need to keep investing in you so that you can continue to grow and get better as a leader for them. But if you don't show vulnerability and you don't show humility, people will be afraid to do that. So I think as a leader, that's one of the most important things that you can really do better at. It's a balance. You have to be confident and you have to be someone that people feel confident. For. But at the same time, you can show your ability to, to talk about your areas, that, your areas that you need to improve. Perfect. And that's important.
0: It is. I I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, one of the things that I love about your message is you're saying honor your life and your career. And you write about always making time to dance as we close. (laughs) Tell us more about that because that brings a big smile to my face.
1: I love to dance. My, My husband and my two teenage kids do dance lessons, ballroom dance lessons together every Thursday. When I was in college, I took 20 units a quarter. I worked 40 hours a week, but I still went dancing three nights a week. I think it's about finding your joy and making room for all the things that make you happy. It's not going to be the same percentage of time every week or every day of how you spend things. You always want to do your best and be your best, but there's sometimes you just got to be good enough. And, and that's because you got to pursue something else sometimes, or you have to be better at something than you were yesterday. And that means what you were great at yesterday, you're not going to be as great at today. All of that's okay. We're all imperfect works in progress. And and finding the time to dance and enjoy life is so important.
0: Barbie, that joy is palpable in your voice. And I want to thank you for joining me today. Your wonderful book is called Lead and Let Live, Leadership Lessons for the Future of Work. And of course, it is available on Amazon and all major book retailers. But would you tell this global audience how we can connect with you on
1: your website? I love that it. It's a global audience. You can find me at barbiejane.com. A little fun fact, my real name is Barbie. It's not short for Barbara. Uh, And you can find me there. You can buy the book there. You can communicate with me there. And I'd love to see you there.
0: Thank you, Barbie. I wish you continued success. And I'm so grateful that you spent time with me today.
1: I'm grateful for you having me. Thank you.
0: Your Working Life is now available on all major podcast platforms, and I'd love to hear from you, so let me know how we're doing. You can find me at carolinedowdhiggins.com, and a special shout-out to my extraordinary podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, our Executive Producer thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. We now have listeners in 16 countries around the world. I'm Caroline Dow higgins Thanks for listening.